Hey guys, welcome to the Health Addict Show. Before we get started though, I wanna cover a couple things. This show is for entertainment purposes only, meaning I am not your doctor. So if you have questions or concerns about your own health, please ask a physician, okay? Get the right information for you. Otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, everybody, welcome to the show, the Health Addict Show. (sighs) I'm Tommy J. I'm your host for today, and we got some good topics to talk about in the news today and just a couple of other things just to know about devices themselves. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is about a patient out in Boston. There's a lot of news going around about this patient because he was denied a heart transplant because he refused to get a COVID vaccine. 31-year-old DJ Ferguson, sounds like a radio name, but it's actually his real name, was being treated at Mass General Burgum Healthcare System and was requiring, from a rapid degeneration in health in his heart care, a heart transplant. Now, due to some cardiomyopathy or some congestive heart failure overall, he was requiring of this heart transplant, but because of his vaccination status, he was very against getting the COVID vaccine because he possibly didn't even believe in it did not get a heart transplant. After some debate and unable to get him on the transplant list for this to get this life-saving heart, they decided to go with an LVAD, which is a left ventricular assisting device, which makes me think it's more congestive heart failure of a left heart failure overall, being an LVAD. This device is internal. It replaces the overall function of a heart, pushing the blood through the body. Um, It is battery propelled as far as the pump itself and you know what they're very good they're very useful a lot of people get them now these days because i mean heart transplants are hard to come by you have to be really good on the heart transplant list to get a heart Um, but they last 10 years they're really good devices there's also right ventricular assisting devices but this guy received a left ventricular assisting device now i know for some of you you're thinking wow this is kind of harmless compared with what the health system is doing now you're literally giving the gift of life to somebody because you're taking life from somebody else and giving it to someone else. Now, not saying that the person wasn't brain dead, that there wasn't any organ failure, or the person died of other natural causes that they're getting the heart from. But when you take a heart transplant, that heart could have gone to somebody else. And if you're putting your life at unnecessary risk, especially being a transplant recipient, you're going to be on anti-rejection meds, which puts you at immunocompromised position, which makes you even more likely to get COVID. They're not going to be more forthcoming with giving you one of these transplants because of this reason. So even though it feels like it's heartless, you're really making sure the person that's getting this life-saving organ that is in very limited quantity is going to be the best recipient for it. And someone that's really anti-medicine, I mean, we, there's so many, and there were, we're in the billions of doses of people that have gotten the vaccine and had hardly any reactions. There's really no reason. If he really wanted to get this heart, it was very simple for him to get this heart. He was refusing it. So I understand with the health system, I'm kind of on the health system on this side because I look at these patients every single day that really need hearts. The patient should have been more forthcoming with it. I do wish DJ Ferguson a fast and full recovery, though. Um, LVADs are, I mean, it's not really that limiting. There's people who play basketball with LVADs. I mean, you're still going to have full functioning, but you will have a battery pack on you. But, I mean, the devices themselves are great devices. Alrighty, the next topic, which you might have seen me posting on Twitter about, was Scott Adams 
use of his profile on Twitter to talk about vitamin D testing for COVID-19. Now, to kind of preface this, Scott Adams is the author of Dilbert Comics. If you haven't seen them, they're pretty funny. Um, a lot of people have kind of lost interest in the years. I think it's just younger generations versus older generations. But Scott Adams posted something on his Twitter that said, A test result showing you have a high vitamin D levels should be an acceptable as the vaccine passport of natural immunity. Now, what Scott is looking at is an article that was produced by the Royal College of Physicians, and it was looking at vitamin D levels and its correlation with infections of COVID-19 and its severity. What the idea behind the study was looking at was if a patient had low vitamin D levels, they were more correlated to have inflammatory cytokine responses, um, severe ARDS, and low TREG levels, which is your T-regulatory lymphocytes. Basically, in latent terms, what it's saying is if you have more T-regulatory lymphocytes or higher TREG levels with the increased supplementation of vitamin D, you had a lower risk of complications with COVID-19. Now, looking at the study, there does show a correlation between low vitamin D and increased respiratory infections. Vitamin D insufficiency was also related to an increase in the cytokine storm that did happen during COVID-19 infections for patients that suffered ARDS and the thrombotic side of it too, because patients were throwing severe clots during their times while they're being ventilated on COVID-19. Now, something in science that's very important, and I think we need to clarify this very strongly, correlation does not mean causation. Remember, causation is something you can directly link for the reason something is happening. Now, we can correlate that vitamin D insufficiency shows these markers. Now, we have to look at this through the whole picture of this study because there's many things very abundantly clear when they stated their facts in this study. One, these patients were at increased risk for cardiomyopathy. They also were increased risk for diabetes and obesity. These three markers are very well-known factors for severity with COVID-19. So think of this patient population already. They probably live a very sedentary lifestyle. I'm talking about your very morbidly obese, cardiomyopathic, diabetic patients. They're not really that active of people. So they're not the most health-conscious people already. So, of course, their vitamin D levels are going to be lower. They're probably not eating well. They're not supplementing. They're not going outside and getting the sunshine and other effects that you need from a daily healthy lifestyle. So, no offense, vitamin D isn't going to fix this situation. Now, should we vitamin D supplement anyway? Yeah, probably. It's a good idea. Vitamin D is good for you. It helps you with a lot of immune responses. But vitamin D is not the answer for COVID-19, and it shouldn't be put out there as we should test for vitamin D levels to make sure that we don't have a COVID-19. Now, don't get me wrong. There is certain situations where a vitamin deficiency leads to disease. I mean, we saw it in the sailors where they didn't have enough vitamin C and they're getting scurvy on these trips. So they decided to start eating oranges to combat that. There's another town in the 1700s that thought Pellegrin was killing them because of the wastewater. There's bacteria in it. So they're trying to clean their waste systems, but didn't realize they had a niacin deficiency and it could have fixed their dermatitis from this. But vitamin D is not the answer for COVID. I wish it was. If it was, this pandemic would be over. You know how easy it is to get vitamin D for everyone? Just give everyone some milk and cheese. I'm kidding. But the point is, everyone thinks that medicine is about making money. And trust me, we're all in the, for getting people healthier. If there was an easy and clear indication for vitamin D to give to patients, we would do it. <laughs> 
right now it's just speculation. So there is some treatment, especially the inflammatory processes that we could supplement vitamin D with, but it's definitely not going to cure COVID. All right. Now I want to talk about one other medical device that we love using in the hospital and just some people don't really know a whole lot about it. It's a fantastic device. It's called the MRI. MRI, which stands for Magnetic Resonance Imaging, is a non-invasive tool that we use in the hospital to make 3D or 2D images of inside the body. And contrary to what some people might believe, there is no radiation that happens with the MRI. It's not like a CT where you get bloated with tons of radiation, gamma rays that are terrible for your body and your cellular structure. MRIs are almost harmless. I would say almost because there's still things that are contraindicated for an MRI. But for the most part, there really isn't any radiation with an MRI. It's a really safe way to get medical imaging. It does take a while for patients. All right, folks, story time. I know it's going to sound pretty obtuse for some people. It's probably going to be really in depth for some people that just don't want to hear it. You skip it. But I feel like it's good to really understand how an MRI works. It's really important because this type of medical advancement has solved and helped so many people, especially the fact that it doesn't use radiation is still super important. Now, if you want to learn more about MRIs, you can go to the National Institute of Biomedical Imaging and Bioengineering. They have a really good setup and explanation of MRIs, but I'm going to give you the meat and potatoes of it so you can kind of have a better idea if you do get an MRI or you know someone's getting an MRI or you're doing an MRI, you have a better idea what is actually happening in the body. Now, the first thing to understand is that the magnet is always on with the MRI. That's the big thing. There's a magnet that spins really, really fast to create these images. It takes days to slow this thing down appropriately. So when something happens to the machine, it really takes days to slow this down. It takes days to start back up. This magnet spins incredibly fast and needs a lot of technology to do it. So understand you can't just stop this machine like you might see in some movies. It takes a long time. Now, the first thing to understand that MRIs produce a strong magnetic field that forces protons in your body to unalign itself and they'll realign with that magnetic field. MRIs push out a radio frequency current that's pulsed through the body and these protons are made to spin out of equilibrium. Now, when the radio frequency is turned off, the protons will realign with the magnetic field again. And these sensors inside the machine can detect the energy that's released from those protons realigning. Now, when these doctors read the MRI, they can see the difference between the various tissues based on the magnetic properties. That's why it's super important to stay very still during an MRI, because if you don't, you'll get a very blurry image. However, this does allow people to see very, very detailed images of inside the body. You can see the brain through and through. You can see the spinal cord. You can see bones, ligaments, organs, vessels, vasculature, especially with contrast. There's so many things you can do with MRI. It's unbelievable. That's why there's such a great utilization for treating and diagnosing patients. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, what's the catch? Because there's got to be a catch with something so fantastic. Well, there kind of is one. The fact that an MRI produces a very strong magnetic field means you really can't come anything in there that can be magnetized or is a very strong magnet because it's going to suck it in. Now, it isn't like the movies. As soon as you walk in with something metal in there, it's not going to go flying across the room. But if you get close enough to it, it will start pulling. If you get really close to it, you're not getting it back. We've had incidences where the ventilator has gone into it. We had floor sweepers go into it, people with jewelry on. They could feel it tugging or bobbing pins. And when they get too close, start pulling out. 
So it is very important not to have metal around the MRI machine or electronics for that fact. I mean, a strong magnet magnet can destroy electronics severely. They have to have a very good protection coat on them, lead lined, that will make sure that the magnet doesn't penetrate it. And even then, we still can't keep our machines too close to it because, I mean, there's still metal in them. So if a patient has an implant, um, pacemakers, nerve stimulators, um, cardioverters, recorders, pumps, implants of other sorts like a cochlear one, you really can't come near the MRI machine unless they're removable, which a lot of those aren't. So there's some contraindications to getting an MRI. Now, some other things to realize, though, it is a very noisy machine. You can get earplugs, which is okay, but it's still pretty noisy, so expect that. Some people are claustrophobic, especially if they have to go into the donut version. There is an open MRI. It's mostly, used, it's mostly utilized for people that are obese, but you can be claustrophobic inside of it. Um, contrast, you always have to worry about when you give contrast to people. So there is some other things, but generally, most people can get an MRI and be just fine. And I guess one last thing is to know that it is expensive. There is no cheap MRI out there. It's in the thousands of dollars when you get scanned. So think about it appropriately. If you're going to order an MRI for your patient or if you're going to get an MRI, understand it's going to be expensive. But it could be the difference between not knowing what's wrong with your patient and diagnosing your patient. But that's it. All I have for you, folks. If you have any questions, you know what to do. Message me, okay? I love questions. Please message me. Please subscribe if you want to hear more content. I'll be continuously putting out content now, now that I can get back into this rhythm. Also, follow me on the social media platforms. I'm constantly posting on those. And I hope you all have a fantastic day. Stay addicted to your health. And I will see you next time.